You're listening to a sermon audio from Cypress Church. You can listen to more sermons on our website or by subscribing to our podcast on iTunes. We hope you enjoy the sermon and invite you to attend one of our services at 9 and 10.30 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Thank you, guys. Uh, yeah, like, like Pastor Mike said, I'm Jordan. Um, so I'm just really happy to be here. Thank you so much, Pastor Mike, for the opportunity. So um, today we're going to be talking about um, the parable of the sower. And um, the thing is that there's so many things about me, like I go to seminary, all this stuff. But one thing I want to share is that I love a good story. I am one of those people who uh, loves to read. I know reading is dying out now, but the fact is I love to get along with a book. And it doesn't always have to be the Bible, just a good story. Um, about a month ago, there was a, a movie that got out. And I didn't think I was going to like the movie because it was a love story. And I, I hate love stories, really. I think they're kind of cheesy. Um, but I was going to see it because of a girl. Girls make you do things stupid. Um, so, uh, I was going to go see it. And then long story short, she even got me to read the book too. So crazy what girls can do. But I started to read the story and immediately I was captivated. I was taken in by this random story that I thought I was going to hate. And the story is called the fault in our stars. And it's a story that your daughters are reading, not like what I'm gonna, I should be reading, but I got really captivated by the story. Like a story, there's a power in a story, and it just takes you in, and you don't want to put the book down, and you just want to be in that story rather than um, going to work or whatever it may be. So the fact is, stories are powerful. They have a way to grab our attention. They have a way to also teach us things. And... They have power, and Jesus knew this. Jesus knows that we respond to a good story. He created us. Um, so this is why Jesus talked a lot in parables, because um, a parable is a kind of story. And you might find it interesting to think that, that a third of what Jesus said in the Bible, a third of those red letters are a part of a parable. When I heard that, I was blown away. I was like, this is wrong. This is, but then, no, it's true. So Jesus always talked in these stories because he knew that, the, that there was power behind them. And what we're going to go over today is a parable of the sower. It's this random story, um, but Jesus uses it to say something about God. And that's what a, a parable is. You know, a parable is the classic definition by a man, um, Charles Spurgeon, who's like this legend in Christianity. He said it's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. So Jesus uses these ordinary things. Um, in that day, a, pe- a sower and a seed were very normal. It was, they were an agricultural society. So he uses these normal kind of things to say something about God. So something that we know to say something that we don't really know. We don't know too much about God. So that's what a parable is. And you might be wondering, why would, why would Jesus speak in parables? Because sometimes we read them. I've been in Bible studies throughout the years. And we read these stories and we're like, dang, I have no idea. We second guess Jesus. We're like, this is a weird story. Like, why don't you just come out and say, hey, like, I'm God. Um, follow me. You know, hang out. Let's like actually do something with our lives and not have this weird parable that we have to um, dissect to actually get the meaning. Well, the, the reason Jesus did parables was because he's trying to um, conceal and to reveal things. And the reason he's doing that, specifically in our passage today, um, is Matthew 13 is what we were talking about. But before Matthew 13, not Matthew 9 through Matthew 12, there's this 
growing opposition to Jesus. Um, people aren't receiving him as that sweet guy that turned water into wine. I mean, there's, there's people understanding he has something to say, and it's not something, truth, I mean, he has truth to say, and truth can be very, um, hit us in the chest sometimes. So he's being um, opposed, and people are um, not liking what he's saying. So he knows this, and he knows that this is going to culminate in his death. He knows this. He knows this. And he said that, you know, no one's going to kill me. I'm going to lay down my life. So, but he knew that, that things were on the horizon, that things were going to end. So he tried to max out his time. In my mind, I try to think of him trying to max out his time. So he used these stories to, um, to be able to teach his disciples, but at the same time, um, someone who wants to oppose him, maybe to kill him, they would hear it, and they really wouldn't get what was going on. They're not going to be really um, understanding that, He's talking about the kingdom. They're thinking about the earthly story. So this is what Jesus um, wanted to do through a parable. So today we're going to be talking through um, Matthew 13, and it's a, it's a story of uh, um, the soils, the different four different soils. So what's going to happen is I'm going to read it again. Um, and if you have your Bible, whip it out. It's Matthew 13. And if you don't, um, um, we have ushers that are going to be able to hook you up with the Bible so you can read it. Um, I decided that I don't want any sermon notes, and I don't, I'm going to give you a break with that. So, um, so you need, yeah, I know. So, so the fact is, we need the, uh, the Bible uh, before us. So I'm going to read it again. I love that Alexis read it before. So, um, and I'm going to kind of briefly explain it, and then I'm going to go through the four different soils and kind of explain it a little further. Um, all right, so I'm going to start. Matthew 13, 1. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. And great crowds gathered around him, so that he got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach. So the scene's set. He's on this shore. Um, he's being consumed by all these people. And he's and not in the right opportunity to speak to all these people because he's just crowded. He's feeling claustrophobic. So he needs to have some space between them. And like right now, I, I have some space between all you because I'm on the, on the stage. I have my own kind of pulpit. So Jesus needs a pulpit. That's what the boat is. The boat is his pulpit. He has some distance. It's very ingenious. So he just uses something around him for some space because he knows he has many things to say. He's not going to say one parable. It says that he, has, he spoke many things in parables. So he wants to get set. So he's set and he's in the boat and he starts talking. And he says, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprung up since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some, six, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. He who has ears, let, let him hear. That's a way of Jesus to say, hey, listen up, this is important. And he just used uh, a sower and a seed. It was very common. And, and the fate of that seed was something huge in that society because it was an agricultural society. We're, we're not, I mean, the sower and the seed, I've never sowed a plant or whatever you, whatever you, however you explain that. I don't know what you do. I don't throw seeds. I don't do that. And I'm sure none of you, most of you maybe haven't. But in that day, that was something common. So he's using these um, common elements. And I read someone say that the, that the ingenious of Jesus is that he uses these normal things of life for these vehicles of truth that he can just sit down and just, okay, there's a boat. Okay, let me go into there and let me have that be my pulpit. And let me use these random normal stories to say something about God. So this is what he's doing with this. So that's the parable right there. 
And like I said, um, a parable is supposed to conceal and to reveal. That's why the, par- the, the disciples come up and say, hey, why do you speak to them in parables? Um, this, this question um, presupposes some sort of confusion on the audience. I mean, you don't like, I mean, if Pastor Mike, you know, nails it on a sermon, you don't go up to him and say, why did you speak like that? You, you're like, sweet, that's awesome. But if, if, if someone's like being weird with how they talk, you ask them why. So the disciples are understanding why. But this is what Jesus wanted. So now we see this pattern that Jesus explains. Um, he says the parable in public, and then he's going to explain it in private. And this is what he wants. He wants some people to hear this random parable and to be like, oh, sweet, that's a cool story. But then some people to hear and be like, I don't know, there's something behind that. There's something more. Let me go ask him. And this is what he wants. He wants to explain it in private because, you know, he doesn't want to get killed quite yet. And he wants to have this commitment and people to come in to talk to him. Um, so, and then, uh, so he's going to explain. So he says, um, why do you speak in parables? So then he answers, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. But to them it has not been given. For to you who has, more will be given. And he will have an abundance. Um, but from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables. Because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. And, and then he says, uh, indeed in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled. Um, and then Isaiah spoke about a time that the Messiah would come and he wouldn't always be received. Um, that there would be this rejection of the Messiah. And also in Isaiah's time, I mean, all the prophets, they weren't popular men at all. I mean, they were rejected all the time. Um, and I mean, they had these false prophets who say things that you want to hear and then they, they would get accepted. But these true prophets would come and say, repent. I mean, bad things are happening. You need to repent and turn from your sin. No one wanted to hear that. So they got rejected. So Isaiah, that quote is also confirming people's rejection of Jesus in that day. So he's saying this rejection, people are hard hearted. Um, and then he says the, the Bible verse. And then let me skip over to verse six. And then he says, but blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, and did not see it, and to hear what you hear, and did not hear it. And in the Greek, in that first, uh, verse 16, the your is first. And that's for emphasis. He's emphasizing your blessedness. And we might not always think, for us, it's not, I mean, this is, we're not, we think this is normal. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. We all, I mean, it's everywhere. So, but for them, there is this new plan of God that culminated in the work of Jesus and the person of Jesus. And he's stressing that, that they are blessed. And he said that many people wanted to see what they see. And then he ends off with um, just saying the parable again. But like I said, the first time was this concealed version. The second time that you read this, this is the real um, unveiled version of the parable. This is what he's really trying to get at. And now, like, you know, he's not saying this again um, in front of all these multitudes of crowds who don't care about Jesus. And that day they just heard cool stories and they thought this was cool and they just walked around. And Jesus did not want that reception. He didn't want all of these people. He wanted his people. He wanted the people who actually cared about what he said. So this is his way of getting to know who really wants to hear what he had to say. So as that happened, all the people were around him. He said, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches it away. 
And this is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on the rocky ground, this is the, eat, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in him of self, but endures it for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands that he indeed bears fruit and yields, and he has a huge harvest. What Jesus is trying to get at is he's trying to explain all the different responses people have to the gospel. I mean, the disciples looked at the good news and said, this is truly good news. This is life-changing. I mean, they wanted to have everything to do with Jesus. So they were probably confused why some people didn't receive Jesus. And this is his way to explain to them and also to us why some people aren't receiving what God is saying to them. And Jesus talked about four different ways people, um, responses people have to the gospel. And then now I'm going to go into the four different responses. Um, and the first one is the hard heart. And this is the one that was uh, sown um, along the path and the birds came and devoured it. In that day, they didn't, as I said, there's an agricultural society, so they didn't have all these expensive, hunky-dory things that we have to make all of our sowing plants so much easier. I mean, we have these machines that do it for us. But back in the day, they didn't have that. They had to do it manually. They had to have a, a pouch of seed, and they would walk, and they would throw out so- the seed among the soil. And they would have these huge uh, fields, and that was what they did. And the fact is, they had to do it all manually, and... As they were walking along the path, they would have their feet on the path. And of course, the path would be a lot harder than the actual soil because the soil was the one that was plowed and they did it all and they prepared it. But the path was what just throughout time, just people kept on walking on it. So it was hard. So the fact is, sometimes the sower, unbeknownst to him, he would drop some seed on the path. And the path was so hard that the seed wouldn't be able to settle into the soil. And... It was exposed, and this is when birds would come and take it away, and it just made it just a waste. So Jesus is saying this is the person who um, is the careless listener. Something has made them hard-hearted to what God is telling them. Um, They're not allowing the gospel to settle into their heart. They're resistant. There's something there that's pushing back. And this could be for an assortment of reasons. Um, One reason is that um, they might have grown up in the church and think they know it all. I mean, you might be right now sitting and you might be looking at me thinking I look like a fetus, like I look very young. Um, And I get that a lot. Uh, I I just turned 25, though. That's going to shock you. But I look like I'm five. Um, And I get it. But so you might be sitting in your seat and you might be thinking, hey, like who, I mean, what can you tell me, Jordan? I mean, I have been in church longer than you were uh, even a twinkle in your mom's eye. So the fact is, and I know that's true. So, but the thing is, at the same time, you're not open to what God is saying. You think you know it all. When, when you think you know it all, you don't know it all. Just understand you're in a bad spot. You need to soften that heart. But these people are hard-hearted. They're not responding to um, not allowing God to speak to them. So they're that pride. And then also, they might be hard-hearted because they don't want to give up some sort of sin in their lives. And, I mean, this is one that I see 
among uh, people my age. I know a lot of my friends who aren't believers. Um, I mean, they're having sex with their girlfriend and they're partying up and they don't want to give that up. So they don't even listen. They'll, they'll, they'll pacify me and they'll accept me and all that good stuff. But the fact is they don't want to give that up. They, they're holding on to their sin when they really should be holding on to Jesus. And they don't want to give that up. So they, they reject it before anyone even utters a syllable. Another one, um, they might be hard-hearted because something bad's happened. You know, just like on the path, all the activity on top of that path has made the surface really hard, all the walking back and forth. And maybe the, all the activity of your life um, might make you hard-hearted, specifically bad stuff. Um, um, we all know about some sort of some really bad stuff that happens. I had a friend on Wednesday. I worked at I work at Disneyland, and uh, I just I sell overpriced turkey legs. I get yelled at. That's just kind of the thing that happens. Um, but the thing is, I work in Frontierland, so I was working at the the Turo cart, and I walked back on my break, and there was this nice young lady um, in front of the Golden Horseshoe. She's smiling. She's the greeter, um, and this was Wednesday, and. Um, uh, uh, sad. Okay, no, but uh, th- Thursday night, uh, she died, um, and it's crazy. Um, and our our, our riverfront is going crazy because um, she was struck by a, a motorcycle, and her and the motorcycle died, and she was like 22, 23, and that's crazy. It gives me goosebumps because I mean, bad stuff happens, and we all know that. And but a lot of us, something bad happens, and we have this hard heart, and we're not willing to receive what God's saying because we're so angry with God. So this is, this is the hard heart guy. Um, the next one is the shallow heart. This is the one who uh, receives it with joy, but then he quickly abandons it. Um, this is one that fell along the rocky ground and where they did not have much soil and immediately they sprung up. And since they had no depth of soil, but when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. So this person um, is lacking depth. So, in Palestine, it's very common for the, sh- the, the, yeah, the soil to be shallow um, and the rocky ground. Because, uh, what is it? They had, it's not, when they say rocky ground, it's not this ground with a lot of rocks. It's this ground on top of a rock. Um, and it would be normal about an inch of soil, and then there would be a rock. And this would be horrible for um, sowing a seed because um, the lack of soil that when the sun came, it would uh, quickly sprout up because it would get hot really quick, but then it would die because there's no, no root in it, no depth. And a sower wouldn't know this unless that they plowed beforehand. And Jesus is saying, this is the person who uh, is enthusiastic and they sprout up really quickly. They might be in church and, you know, you might be taking sweet notes and, you know, digging it and listening to Hillsong and, you know, and all this cool stuff. But then midweek comes... And then you're different. You're a different person because there's no depth. And the troubles in life, um, the, you know, the storms of this life toss you to and fro, and you have no anchor to hold on to. So you're, you're, you're tossed away, and you fall away. And the anchor is Jesus. He's, the, he's our rock. He's what, and, I mean, there's times craziness. Like right now, my friend is not here. I don't know. So I'm just holding on to Jesus. I'm not thinking of too much else. I'm just holding on to Jesus. I trust you. Okay? I trust you. I don't understand what's happening, but I trust you. And I know you're good. So the fact is, they don't have that. And they don't have that anchor. And it says that when tribulation or persecution comes, they fall away. 
And uh, I love how Jesus said that the sun would come and scorch it, and that's what withered away. And then for the person, they, this, 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 this heat would be the, the, the pressure of this life. When the heat's on, how do you respond? You know? And I think of, uh, I love Kobe Bryant, and I mean, when the heat's on, clutch time, he comes through. Um, and I love the Lakers, they're going to make it this year. Um, <laughs> but the fact is, when the heat's on, maybe not, you're right. Um, but when the heat's on, they show up, and they're there. And, but Jesus is saying that the shallow heart, when it shows up, it's not there. They, they fall away. They, their true colors are revealed. And it's because they're lacking depth. And we're all going to face persecution. This is, I mean, Jesus was hated. Why do we think we're going to be, you know, received with open arms? But at the same time, I want to preface that. And I want to say that, that sometimes some of us want to be bold for Jesus, but we're really being idiotic for Jesus. That we think being bold means that we just need to go up to uh, the gay person and just say, oh, you're a sinner. And then you walk away thinking you checked off some list that you're being bold for Jesus. No, you're being stupid, really. You need to calm down. And the fact is, Jesus said you got to speak truth in love. But even when you do that, you're still going to face persecution. And that's okay. I mean, that, that should encourage us. I mean, I'm reading about the early church, and they would be about to get killed, and they're rejoicing. Like, Polycarp was the guy who was really close to John, who wrote the Gospel of John, and he was excited. He was like, okay, I'm going to die for Jesus. I'm going to suffer. But we don't have that. We fall away. And I don't have that. I mean, I, sometimes I'm like, no, nah, let's not talk about, you know, the Canaanite genocide. That's something, let's not read that today. Um, but the fact is, persecution is going to come. So that's the shallow heart. The next one is the distracted heart. This is the one that uh, fell among the thorns. And the thorns choked out the seed. Something, for, uh, something about sowing seeds is that um, at the end of your harvest, you would you know, get all the good stuff. And then after that, you would have to clean out all the bad, like all the excess things and clean out all the roots and all that stuff. And then you would start the new season. But for this distracted heart, for this distracted soil, the sower was going to be planting the seed and everything looked good. Everything looked good. It looked good. And there was no rock under it. It looked all good. And then so they planted the seed. And as things started to sprout, um, they soon discovered that there was something else under the soil. That they didn't clear out the roots from the previous season. So there was these uh, thorny roots. So that when um, they were growing, the seed was growing, it became intertwined with these other roots and it would choke it out, and it would fight for nourishment, um, and it would just it would wither away. That was what uh, put that um, to shame. So it choked it out. So and Jesus is saying that this person, the things that choke out this individual are the worries of this world and the deceitfulness of wealth. I mean, worries of this world, I mean, that's universal. We all worry about that. Like my friend's story sadly, is not something new. I mean, that happens. I mean, flip on the news, and I mean, something wrong is happening. Um, and we're worried about the future. We're worried about the unknown. We don't know. I mean, I don't know the future. Um, and, I mean, this can really, really make us really worried and distracted. Um, and we kind of are consumed by our problems when we really should be consumed by our God. 
We need to dwell on him, not on all of our things around us. So the fact is that for this individual, the worries of this world are choking out his spiritual growth. And he's, they also talk about the deceitfulness of wealth. And this is also common. We think maybe that maybe a little bit more money is going to make our lives um, better. And in some sense, yeah, that's kind of true. Money has a way to make alleviate some things. But at the same time, money won't take away all your problems. You're still going to have problems. I mean, they even have, uh, this is going to be stupid, but in, in, like in rap music, they say, more money, more problems. Um, but the fact is, it's true. I mean, they talk about all these random things that have, I mean, first off, the one problem is to keep the money. I mean, money is going away because you spend things and you find your security in your, the number in the bank account, but not in the God in you. So the fact is, money can take away some of uh, your attention that you ought to be given to God. And I know I do this. I mean, I, I'm trying to save up money right now, and it feels really sweet. Like, it, I'm loving spend, um, what is it, saving money more than spending money right now, and it's sweet. But I'm super, conf- just, I get slapped in the face when I think about it because I feel really good, and I feel secure when I should always feel secure because like, God's always there. And it's really bad right now because I feel really good, and it, but for all the bad reasons. Um, so the fact is, I mean, this is also universal. And this is the distracted heart. And then we're going to move to the uh, rec- uh, receptive heart. This is, this is pretty much the good one, of course. Um, this is the one that fell on good soil, produced grain, and a huge harvest happened. And this is the person who hears what Jesus is saying, understands it, and applies it. All of the people in these stories, all of them heard it. They all hear the message. But there's only one that understood it. And this is the one who um, didn't lack depth. Um, they didn't have the hard-heartedness. And they didn't have these... They had problems, but the fact is they, were, they, were, they weren't competing. He, he was able to balance it. So he received it, and there's a huge harvest. And if we're honest, we all want that. But if we're honest also, we, most of us don't have that. I mean, there's certain... Um, times in our life we go through um, a roller coaster. And I know me personally, I've been through all of these. And um, the, least, the one that I've, I have had least is the good one. I'm usually very distracted. Uh, I just, I mean, they say, you know, I just, I think about 15 things at one time. Um, I hate when, like, I'm taking an order at Disneyland and someone asks me a churro and I'm really thinking about, are the angels winning or not? And uh, I mean, are, like, can you wrap it up, please? Like, just, and this is bad. I did it all the time. So I'm all the time um, different things, mainly the distracted heart. But we want to be the good heart. So let's see, how can we get to be the good heart? And it's important to say, like, at this point that, that you can't change your heart. You want to, and, but then if you think you can, it's almost like you can save yourself. You don't have any, um, any, you don't need what Jesus did on the cross. But the fact is, you can't change your heart. Like, watch this. I'm trying to touch my heart right now. See that? Looks retarded. I look really stupid, right? Um, but the fact is, I can't touch my heart. Um, and the same thing is, I can't change my heart. So you need to um, be open to allow God to change your heart. But there are ways for us to put us in situations where we can allow God to change our heart, to have that, um, to soften our hearts. 
And I have three ways to um, soften our hearts. And um, they kind of parallel um, sewing and things like that. So the first one is to uh, simply add the good stuff. And for a soil, I mean, you need the good stuff. To, I mean, for a seed to sprout, you need the good stuff. You need good soil, you need nourishment, and you need a, a good environment. Same thing with us. We need three things for sure. Um, and I say we, uh, my things are uh, prayer, the Bible, and the right people. Prayer is key because, again, you can't do this by yourself. I mean, the things that we do get us in trouble, so we need God to get us out of trouble. So if we, the more we are independent of God, the more trouble we're going to be getting into. So we need to depend on God, and um, prayer is the way to um, get into God. And I mean, I have a phone, and then my, my, my battery starts dying throughout the day, so I have to plug it into the wall and charge it. And that's what prayer is for our lives. Prayer is us connecting with our power source and recharging us so that we have the right mindset to get through our lives. And just to invite him into our lives. That's just a beautiful way to do it. Also, you need um, the Bible. My favorite thing about preaching has nothing to do with what I'm doing right now, speaking. My favorite thing is getting alone with this book and just grabbing some sweet resources and the ultimate resource, God, and just getting alone with it and just having a good time. Like, I prepped, like, at least 20 hours on this passage, and I didn't need to. I just, I just enjoyed it. It was sweet. I loved reading all these sweet commentaries. But that's what we need to have all the time. And I don't always have that. Like, I mean, sometimes I just read verses um, on Twitter and not on my Bible. Um, and I do that far too much. But the fact is that we need to get alone with the Bible. And, I mean, God speaks mightily through his word. I mean, it was written for our benefit. And before you read, have God, um, pray to God that you're open to what he's saying to you. And that's very key. And another thing, you need the right people. I mean, look around us. We have all these good people here at this church, and this is what we are meant to do. We need to have people who are encouraging us. I mean, Paul quotes in uh, 1 Corinthians, bad company corrupts good character. Like, you might think you're doing a great job, but if you hang out with trash, you're going to start smelling kind of like trash. And, and that's just what kind of happens. And I know that I've had throughout the years how to realign my uh, friends. Because a lot of my friends aren't um, going to be doing what God wants me to do. And I'm kind of into peer pressure. I want to be liked. So, I mean, I'm going to do things that I shouldn't do. So I just need to take myself out of that situation and put myself in the right situation. So you need good people. Second, so you need to do, add the good stuff. I mean, to remove the bad stuff. And the second is to add the good stuff. I just already said that. Sweet. We're, we're doing good today. Um, so, so now, I guess, we're going to talk about... Um, so you, you take away the bad stuff, you add the good stuff, and then you have to start genuinely listen. And I say genuinely, because remember, in the parable, all of them were listening. All of them heard, actually. So some of you uh, aren't listening, though, right now. And uh, you're turned off. You're, you, you, either you have a hard heart, um, or you don't have any depth, really, and you're really excited, but you know midweek you're going to be really consumed by other things and not by God. Or you're distracted right now. But we need to start genuinely listening to God. Um, he has things to say. He's always communicating to us. I mean, there's way, I mean, it's crazy that if you're really open, God can speak to you crazy. Like, I have a nephew, and he's like two. But God speaks so much through that little two-year-old. Like, it's just crazy. I see him interact with my brother, 
And I see that, and I just kind of see his trust in my brother. And I'm like, dude, I don't have that trust with God. Like, he just literally, they're going swimming, to learn swimming. So he'll jump into the water and expect my brother to catch him. I don't expect my brother to catch me if I do anything like that. I barely do a trust fall with him. But he has that trust. So the fact is that we need to have that trust with God. God's always speaking. We just have to be able to uh, listen. So where is your heart? I mean, remember that if you're not happy with where you're at, you could, things can change. But you can't change it. You need to not do it alone because you can't do it alone. Doing it alone caused the problem. So doing it alone is not going to solve the problem. So you can be more receptive to what God is saying to you and allow God to speak to you and and you hear him. I mean, we have far too many hard hearts, far too many shallow hearts, far too many distracted hearts, and not enough open hearts. Are you open to what God is saying? Okay, I'm going to pray. I should have just gone into prayer, but it was weird. Okay. Um, Thank you, God, um, for the fact that you're patient with us. even when sometimes we have hard hearts towards you and we're not listening, um, even though we're not listening, you're still loving us. Thank you, God, for that. Even um, when we're not having any really depth to our faith, that you're still constant with us, God. Thank you so much for your grace. Thank you so much that, that we're not left alone to our problems, that you are there um, helping us through our problems, guiding us. Thank you so much for all that you're doing. And I pray that um, if, we're, if someone's here and they're not liking where they're at in their life, that, that they're just more receptive to what you're saying to them and that they soften their hearts and they allow God to speak to them. God, thank you so much for all that you do. Thank you so much. I pray that um, we come back next week and um, uh, that we just come back eager to learn. Thank you so much. In Jesus' name, amen.